It's been a long week full of boring things, but that's all over now. It's time once again for the reincarnation of who? I hate to say it, but my sister is the reincarnation of Joan Crawford. She's never come right out and said it, but she throws things at the screen when Betty Davis appears, and she took all the good coat hangers out of my room for herself. She keeps me up at night reciting her old roles to prove that she's still got it. And I can't sleep through it when it's time to do the old trog. <laughs> good thing she's in sanitarium, so I don't have to deal with it anymore. Boss would never say so, but he's the reincarnation of Lex Luthor. I didn't even know that could happen. He keeps a green rock around and keeps swearing that when Superman shows up, oh, he's going to get it. Plus, he's really nice to all his employees and owns half the state. Since Superman hasn't been around a long time, though, he's just been c- content to himself with defacing pictures of Christopher Reeve. He's never mean to me, at least. I ran into a kid on the street who played great blues electric guitar. Either he's Stevie Ray Vaughn reincarnated, or he learned to sing like a man who drank lots of alcohol somehow. It's too bad he can't get a job in a bar when he's underage and too small to reach the microphone. That's all I've got. Sorry. We had a fourth guy scheduled who was the reincarnation of a powerful goddess capable of bringing depth to humanity. She could not communicate with anything but text balloons, and your time as television viewers is too valuable to spend reading. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're gonna see some serious shit. Three, two, one! RPGs from the 1980s right up through yesteryear. Brought to you by the staff of RPGamer.com, we tackle the good, the bad, and the ugly games from nearly 30 years of RPG history. So sit down and hold on tight. Your next adventure is about to begin. Here are the hosts of RPG Backtrack, Phil Willis and Mike Meeky. Welcome to RPG Backtrack. This is number 85, Mr. Sinistral. I am your co-host, Phil Willis, and this is... Otherwise known as Mike Meekly. Otherwise known as Master Mogul. Otherwise known as Jimmy Sin. Otherwise known as that guy who goes to the post office almost every day. Otherwise known as... Let's not run through the whole list. Indeed, and we are ready to <laughs> kick off the very first RPG Backtrack of 2013 to help us do that. We have two, two, count them, two guests tonight. One of them's been here before, and the other one is Fresh Blood. I point your attention first to Mr. Nathan Schlofflin. Uh, hello, hello. Let's all talk about some fun games. How's Mr. Nathan doing today? Uh, pretty good. Most of the day playing Demon Souls. Just trying the new game plus for the first time since I finally beat the game yesterday. Demon, Demon Souls? Is that the first one? Or that, that's, uh... that's the first one, yeah. I haven't yeah. even got Dark Souls yet. Oh my gosh, that's, that's, and, that's... And how many times did you die while playing Demon's Souls? I was about to say, that's... I think counting would probably be insane. Oh my gosh, that's old school, man. That's really old school. Uh, definitely when you play them both, I'd love to have a little chit-chat with you to compare and contrast. That'd be interesting. I played some uh, Demon's Souls myself too, but I didn't get too far. And... For the very first time on RPG Backtrack, can you can you smell that, Mike? It's it's the smell of new guest. 
Smells like new blood to me, yeah. Mmm, yummy. You know, the, you know the procedure, Phil. Mmm. For the first time ever, it is Mr. Trent Fresh. Hey, how you doing? How you doing, Mr. Trent Fresh? I, I have no complaints. I'm living the dream right now. Okay. You know, you know why we call you Fresh, right? Because I'm fresh blood? No, no, actually. But that's a good guess, but it's not really what I was going for. <laughs> why do you call me Trent Fresh? Well, I know you've listened to plenty of backtracks in preparation to come to this show. I'm sure you've listened to every one of them twice, all 84 of them, right? Of course. I'm uh, mostly terrified to be here right now. You should be. So you know that it is my privilege, honor, and responsibility to absolutely butcherize your name. Uh. <laughs> so it says here on the screen that your last name's really sealy, but we can't go with that. So I'm asking myself, what does he seal? Well, I've seen plenty of TV commercials, and whenever they mention the word seal, it's always about locking in the freshness. So you're Trent Fresh. We've locked in the freshness with you. Why didn't you just call me Trent Tupperware? Nah, fresh just sounded much faster. Sounded more trendy. Sounded more 2013. It does sound very 2013. I, I appreciate the new name, and I will do my best to get it legally changed. All right. That's better. That's what I like to hear. But uh, <laughs> let's see here. It looks like we got a, a gauntlet of questions we're supposed to ask you since you are, in fact, new and fresh blood. So oh, no. uh, what's your handle on RP Gamer, and what do you do? Uh, my handle on RPG Gamer is InstaTrent, and I'm the site's editorialist. I write my opinion, and I kind of shove it down the throats of our community. <laughs> Thank you, Shit. Yes, yeah, so we're very happy that you've come back and and started doing that after editorials kind of lapsed for a while. <laughs> well, it, it's it's both a privilege and an honor. We have such an awesome group of people who who love to read and comment and uh, tear my opinions apart, and I <laughs> I, I, I feel really privileged. To have them tear them apart on a weekly basis. Have you written something on the Final Fantasy series yet? Um, I, I have. Well, I, I, I participated in the uh, 25th anniversary feature, which I think everyone should go check out if they haven't already. Uh, but my first editorial actually was about Final Fantasy 2 and character progression systems. Yeah, because if you want to really stir up the uh, fanboys, there's a there's a few recommendations Mr. Minky and I can give you to, <laughs> okay. to stir the pot. Boy, you'll, you'll have the piranhas coming out and trying to bite your legs off. Okay. It's really great. What kind of what kind of recommendations is this? We, we, we better save that for after the intro. That's right. We got we got to get through the rest of these okay. questions here. And, and by the way, your new handle on RP Gamer is Insta Fresh, which sounds a lot better than Instant Trent. Everybody's yeah. looking for instant freshness. No one's looking for instant Trent. Oh. Okay. So we yeah. Um, I'll expect that change in place tomorrow. So give us a brief uh, overview of your gaming history. All right. Well, I, I started playing uh, games and, and RPGs back in the early '90s. Uh, I wasn't nearly as old then as most of you guys were. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 my my first game actually was uh, Chrono Trigger, and uh, I, I was lucky enough to be born in a household that was big into 16-bit gaming, particularly RPGs on our Super NES. Uh, we owned Chrono Trigger. Um, Final Fantasy 3, which of course we know now is Final Fantasy 6. Secret of Evermore, uh, Lufia was actually one of the games. Um, And Secret of Mana is is still one of my favorites. So my gaming history is is mostly with JRPGs from the 16-bit era. Hmm. Did you hear that, Mike? I think he just called us old. You know what? I just turned... I'm I'm, I'm I'm going to tell tell everybody. I just turned 31. So yes, I am old. Gosh. Unless, of course, I'm thinking about my grandma in the other room who is older than 31. Well, I'm not even going to tell you how old I am. Otherwise, uh, you know, RP Gamer will force me into early retirement. 
to be to be fair, I'm not saying you guys are old. That, that's just, pretty much what you said, Chief. You're, okay. You're just, <laughs> no, you can't take it back. There's no takesy backsies. Slightly less fresh than I am. I can I can so replay what you just said because I recorded it. <laughs> and if you didn't really say it, I can certainly edit it into where you did I, say I, it. I expect you to edit me okay. calling you guys old. It may sound like Eris. It may be like they're old. You know, really fast. But that that'll be what's in there, and it will be attributed to you so can you can you take that clip and make a dubstep remix for me i can do a lot of things make it sound like a chipmunk so what's your <laughs> what's your favorite type of rpg uh, my favorite type of rpg would probably be a, a traditional rpg people get angry when i call them jrpgs or classical rpgs because uh jrpgs are technically made in japan which not every traditional one is and and most people would describe classical rpgs as pen and paper or uh, western rpgs yeah, I would agree with. I mean, that's pretty much what we've been doing for for years. Mm, what's your what's your uh, and this is what determines whether or not you get to stay on the show. What's your favorite RPG of all time? My favorite RPG of all time. Oh, um, answer carefully. Might be the last word you say. This is terrifying. <laughs> yeah, if you say something like Black Sigil, we're going to just wonder what goes through your head. And if you say From the Abyss, we're going to throw you into it. <laughs> uh, to be fair, I, I, I would say my, my favorite RPG is probably Final Fantasy VI. It's still... It, it, it just somebody typed that. I heard somebody typing you to tell you what the secret answer was. <laughs> I, that was you, wasn't it, Minky? You're trying to... You're being too nice to a new person. I'm watching you. <laughs> no, it, you know what, Phil? If he goes with Final Fantasy VI, are we really going to call him out and say, that's a bad choice? <laughs> no, of course not, but that's the secret correct answer. I think you were handing him a cheat sheet. You become no. bleeding hard for the new people. <laughs> he just likes the freshness. Everybody likes the freshness. You're really pushing this fresh agenda. You know that, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Might as well get used to it, at least for the rest of the show. And if you're really unlucky, I'll remember it next time you come on, too, and I'll still keep using it. Mm. Okay, well, that's Mr. Trent Fresh. So uh, we're going to take a, a few moments to lock in the freshness while you listen to some music from the Lufia series. And we will come back with our main event in just a few moments. talk about uh, i think we're talking about luffy and the fortress of doom first i'm not mistaken why not it is the first game we, we probably should start there 
So Lufia, should start there. Everybody should start there. Luffy and the Fortress of Doom was developed by Neverland, published by Taito. Didn't they make the Bubble Bobble games or something? I, I don't know. Um, this was released on the Super Nintendo in North America December of 1993. This is a single-player RPG experience for your Super Nintendo Entertainment System, which I know everyone's got sitting right in front of their 60-inch plasma TV. So, uh... Oh, yes. Lufia 1 looks so great, projected on a 60-inch plasma TV. Yeah, that, what was it, 320 by 200 resolution or something along those lines? It, right, you could count the pixels. Yeah, yeah, you could count the pixels on today's television, sure. Uh, shoot, I think you could even count them back then, but... Uh, anywho, um... So, Lufia has this really cool box art on the front. But um, uh, let's talk about what's on the inside because that's what really matters. Who wants to who wants to tell me a little bit about the ultra deep, complex, and interesting story of Lufia and the Fortress of Doom? Okay, I'll take this stage for that. Go for it. <laughs> um, basically, Lufia was well. It starts off in probably with my favorite 16-bit RPG openings ever, and really one of my favorite RPG openings ever with. Sometime in the past, four heroes walk into the Fortress of Doom. They ca- the room is dark, they cast the light spell, they briefly introduce themselves in a roundabout way, and they go in and then they do the epic final battle against the, the four Sinistrals, four godlike beings who have the, they're basically wrecking havoc in the world. And basically the game starts off with what's basically a proper final battle of any RPG. And then it says, a hundred years later, you're the hero's descendant. Like, the, the heroes died fighting the... Sinistrals, but the but now your destiny is left behind. Well, two of them and, did. Well, two of them died. Two of them survived. It's important since the two ones who survived you meet again in the game a hundred years later. One guy's really old. The other's an elf. <laughs> yeah, and the guy who's uh, really old just happens to last long enough to pass on some words of wisdom to you, and then he croaks. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yep. And then basically the rest of the game is you know you the hero the hero who you name him is the descendant of Maxim the hero from a hundred years prior the sinistrals who were thought defeated are somehow reviving and you must go and find the mystic dual blade the weapon used by Maxim to go stop the sinistrals and put it into their evil ambitions and yeah I totally don't remember the details of how it goes about since it's been so long. I do remember really though that I liked this game a lot, simply because I think it's like the first 16 RPG bit RPG I've ever found that had, had decent character development and fun character interaction. It just actually characters grow and change, and they have become, and the half the story is about basically the kind of romantic relationship between the the main hero, oh, Maxim's descendant, and Lufia, the girl who he grew up with, and it's basically his girlfriend from the beginning. And it's the two go off together on their adventures and do all kinds of things. I mean, I really like their character interaction. It's a ton of fun for me. It just, it's a nice part of the game. The set, other characters in the game, I think Aguro and Jaren, I believe their names are, and I had to look this up. Uh, they're a little less memorable and interesting. I mean, Jaren, the half-elf girl who's your fourth prime member, doesn't even join until very late in the game. So <laughs> she really doesn't stay in the my memory at all. To be fair, uh, Eguru, the who, who's the uh, what's the nation? Uh, Lorbina, Lorbinia. It was actually pretty cool. Am I thinking? Yeah. No, I'm thinking about Guy, aren't I? Ah, uh, well, uh, Guy. He isn't really from a cool nation, so he probably more to think of a girl. Yeah, I can't remember the details about him though, since it's been too long. Oh well. I remember that late in the proceedings, Lufia goes missing for. Uh, well, we kind of hinted at this earlier, but. Lufia is actually the fourth Sinistral. Dun, dun, dun. And that means that for the entire climax of the game, you are reduced to three party members. 
and except for the final battle when she is generous enough to join you again as the other three sinistrals just combine into a whirling mass which looked kind of like Taz on a big day and fight you. That that is what I remember of the climax. Everybody go. Uh, I don't know. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, apparently what I just said was so revelatory that everybody stopped in their tracks and had to think for a minute. No, I didn't beat this game yet, so I had to avoid spoilers. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm sorry, Nathan. I I didn't check your message until just now. <laughs> you, well, it's, you know, it's Nathan, hard to talk and read at the same time. You try it. <laughs> so Nathan, true. It, it doesn't surprise me that Nathan actually likes this game partially because of its character interactions, which are fun, because he's also a fan of Final Fantasy V, which, out of all the Final Fantasies, is probably the funnest character interactions. Yeah, it's like the thing. I love games that have the characters having fun and doing things, growing and changing. I mean, it's Same like the entire reason I play Resistance of Fate, for example. It, right. Well, just strange like, dialogue helps. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, this is a game where in Luffy, a random event that happens, characters go into a shop, and Luffy just wants to take the main hero go and they go to go shopping, and so they go shopping, and the hero is just real in shock, the sticker shock of the of a, price, of a dress she wants to buy because it's the same price as one of the stronger armors you can buy in the game, like twenty hours down the road. It's just random silly stuff like that. Or, like, in this game, stuffed animals are useful attack weapons. Like, the game has a lot of off-kilter fun elements like that. And just, I love stuff like that in video games. Oh, definitely. And it's interesting that you said that it's one of your favorite openings, because I, I remember renting Lufia the first time I played it and being legitimately confused by the opening, because there, there's, there's very little... There, there, there's little, very little precursor to actually getting into the gameplay. You just kind of start 99 years in the past, uh, right when your party is about to get annihilated by the Sinestros. And it, it, I kind of thought that it was like a sequel to a game that I hadn't played. So I was a little no, bit... No, it's in fact oh. a sequel to a game that hasn't been made yet. But we're getting <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> but still, yeah, I do, I do that... remember it was, it was surprising that the enemies would actually put up a decent fight, even though you had a party in the mid-70s levels, wise. Yeah, with all the most powerful spells and equipment and everything. Yeah. And yet, despite that, if I recall, the battles against Sinistrals in the end there is actually kind of an interesting one. It's not just a total joke fight, even though it's not that difficult. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm racking my brain for things I remember about the game, because I didn't have <laughs> as positive an experience, although it wasn't a negative experience, it was just kind of... Nowadays, when I'm better versed in wading through kind of dry translations, because let's face it, Taito did not set the literary charts afire with its wondrous English prose in this game. Yeah, there weren't many games that did back then, sadly. No, uh, yeah, I don't. I don't remember a whole lot from it except isolated moments. Yeah, this is a game which you know it has a lot of interesting, cool moments. At the same time, the main plot is you kind of meander. You kind of meander through a lot of different unusual sidetracks and such. It kind of, it's hard to keep the characters focused on the important things. Mm. I guess one thing, it's just, I guess what I say is that it's a very episodic post at times. Yeah, that's second, second that I, I purposefully ground a lot because <clears throat> it seemed smart. This is not a battle system where skill is going to save your day if you're a little low level. Oh no, it's it's yeah. not a forgiving battle system. <laughs> If I could equate yeah, the battle system to anything more contemporary gamers would have played, it, 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 I was playing Breath of Death 7, the, A New Beginning, the other day, and, and I legitimately thought Lufia is surprisingly similar to this battle system. Well, yeah, that's because you know, Breath of Death 7 is kind of trying to be that kind of game. And basically, Lufia is a Dragon Quest clone in its core. Yeah. I mean, 
I mean, that's what it is. It's a Dragon Quest clone with different characters and, and such, and different style to it. I mean, even has a big casino you can go to, which is, you know, the big hallmark of a Dragon Quest clone. Uh, so, yeah, you can't expect too much original or innovative about it. I mean, it's got elves as a main species that alone about it. Wait, elves? No, that's, that's new, man. Nobody ever uses elves. So, yeah, it's like, I mean, this is a game I absolutely want to show up on the virtual console so I can play it again and see it all for myself again because, you know, I have this fond, nostalgic love for it. But I really have to also admit, you know, it's not the most sophisticated or innovative games ever. It's not a great hallmark of the art. It's not a great classic of the genre, but, you know, it's a fun game that I really honestly liked back then, so... Yeah, you really hit the nail on the head when you were talking about uh, episodic story, because and and the second one kind of follows the same structure. But really, until you hit a climax about halfway through, uh, everything feels a little bit disjointed. Like you're kind of going from quest to quest almost. Yeah, that's definitely it. I mean, I do remember some of that. There are quite a few. Here, we need to get the item from the cave, so let's go through it, and that's the last anyone will ever mention it for the rest of the game. <laughs> yeah, it's like, let's go on this quest to do this thing, and then we completely figure the subject and move on to the next quest. It's like, let's fight some pirates here, or get a ruby there, or talk about flowers here, that kind of thing. Hmm. So, um, battle system, straight-up JRPG, nothing unusual that would set that apart from, let's say, a Dragon Quest? Well, okay. The one thing that's a bit unusual about Lufia 1's battle system is that normal attacks are, have a random target. I mean, kind of like, say, I think Fantasy Star 1 and Fantasy Star 2 and such have this kind of effect, where you don't specifically target an enemy, you target a group of enemies, and you randomly yeah. strike an enemy within that group. I mean, that's the only it thing I see. usually targets the most logical choice, though. Like, like it's smart enough to not pit your attack against this, the, the worst creature situationally. Usually. I, oh, usually. There are, yeah. there are cases when it will do something boneheaded. Of course. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, other than that, it's like you gain abilities by raising your level and that kind of thing. I mean, you've got group attack spells, healing spells, and you've got everyone's kind of a mix of a fighter and a mage, except Luffy is more mage and a girl who can't use magic. So it's, it's a very typical kind of team for a Dragon Quest-like game. Yeah, and, and you... Very similar system. And if you're not grind-happy, you're going to be very unhappy while this goes on, because... If you don't learn the best abilities which come at higher levels, then you're in big trouble. Yeah. I want to say though, that this game does have interesting, because unlike a lot of games there, it has a kind of cool side quest thing. that It's got the big ancient cave, which, while it's not yet the thing it will be in this game, it's still kind of a thing. It's one dungeon you, in, you encounter very early on, which, as you keep going, keep, keep going to deeper floors up, and these deeper floors have much stronger enemies and bigger treasures within. It's kind of a very hazardous place, lots of traps, poison swamps, and all that. See, that, that, that's, that's my biggest fear when I'm playing a new RPG, that I'm going to stumble upon a dungeon when I'm tremendously unprepared and get my butt handed to me by a whole bunch of overpowered creatures. Yeah, well, at least they give you ample warning for this. It's like, yeah, don't go in until you're higher level, you fool. <laughs> I'm going to go in anyway. I'll help abandon you, you enter. <laughs> it's fun trying to do that when you're playing pen and paper. I had a group that stumbled on a very powerful enemy layer, but they're not that level yet. So trying to come up with ways to tell them that without sounding meta and just outright saying, no, you're not the right level. You know, that's uh, that can be a little fun. And we talked about playing this on a 60-inch plasma. Well, that would probably not be a recipe for beautiful things because... It doesn't look ugly, but it certainly doesn't look like a high-end Super Nintendo game. Yeah, it's not exactly like level, the level of Chrono Trigger, but it's certainly a, 
it's not, it looks nice stuff for its time, but I have no bad memories appearance or anything. No, I don't remember thinking, Bleh, but neither do I remember thinking that it particularly impressed me with any visual aspect. Yeah, I think I'll say, it's, like, say above Breath at the Fire, but far below Final Fantasy VI or something like that. that sounds about right. Most, most things are above <laughs> Breath of Fire. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll say Final Fantasy IV's map sprites probably weren't, but... Uh-uh. <laughs> That at least you can excuse based on how early it was in the cycle. Yeah, it's just it was just making SNES games and no idea what they were doing, and this it's really quick development time on that game. That kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. What's What's interesting is that I, I remember playing it later on, like like several years after it was originally released, and thinking that it looked really like RPG Maker. So then I actually looked up uh, Neverland and and just to see if it was by like, like the same company that made RPG Maker. It's not. But it, the sprites are very comparable to the type that you would see in that kind of game. Like, it's very... The, the graphics are not its biggest selling point. Well, I guess because RPG Maker series itself started as a kind of colorful SNES game. That's basically what Luffy tried to be, a very colorful SNES game that's not terribly remarkable or stylized, but still quite competent. Yep. I th- they'd end up looking similar. The battle sprites, I thought, were pretty impressive. But I do remember yeah. a pretty good variety of enemies, too. Yeah, like the like the Sinistrals themselves looked really cool with their glowing yeah, auras and everything. Yeah. The big giant bosses, other such things. Hmm. Uh, do y'all remember anything about the uh, music and the sound? Um, I know it has a really cool main theme. I forget the rest. Of I remember being kind of addicted to the battle theme, but I haven't heard it in a while. <laughs> I'm remembering the music from the sequel, but I can't remember much of anything about the original's music. Yeah, I think it's overall. I think it's quite quite good music. I mean, just I don't know what to say about it. Quite good. Hmm. Okay. Well, is there anything else anybody wants to say about the first one? Nope. Alrighty then. I, I, I wasn't floored by it, but I kept playing it all the way through, and this was back in the days when I would generally just set something aside if it rubbed me the wrong way. So it must have done something right. <laughs> and I mean, for me, I mean, I was. Well, gosh, I had already been playing for a few years, a decade or so, when I when Lufia came out, and I don't know, I, I took a look at the back of the box, and it just kind of looked a little too vanilla for me, so I never really got into it. Um, maybe a shame, maybe not. I guess what happens when you played Final Fantasy just kind of ruins you for the rest of them. <laughs> well, for me, I just wanted this game, which just caught me this cool thing. Well, we just lost Nathan the first second. Let's get him back here. Sorry, Nathan, we lost you for a second. What would you say? I was saying this is a game which just kind of caught my attention from the beginning when I first tried it. I just was desperate for RPGs at the time, so I tried this one, and I just fell in love with it and couldn't stop playing it at the time. Mm. I still want to beat it, even though I never did, because I just rented it back then, so that's how I played it. Mm-hmm. Also, yeah. I will say, just for the record, there are a lot of people who say you should play the second game before this one. No, play Lufia 1, then Lufia 2. That's the way they're supposed to be played. Just Okay, we're going to get to it in a second, but Lufia 2 is the prequel to Lufia 1. It tells a story that happens 100 years before this one. It also, which means you see the very ending to Lufia 2 in the very beginning of Lufia 1. I'll tell you that now. Well, let's just go ahead on over there then. We're talking about Lufia 2, Rise of the Sinistrals. This is developed by Neverland and published by Natsume here in North America. It was published by Taito in Japan. This was released in North America on August 31st, 1996. This is a single-player RPG experience for your Super Nintendo Entertainment System. 
And uh, it's got cool box uh, art too. I like the box August art. August thirty first, ninety six makes it a pretty late RPG to come out in this region. Oh yeah, it was really late. Competing with the likes of say Chrono Trigger. Even Chrono Trigger came out, I think, a year before. What's oh, interesting yeah. is that they had originally planned to also release this game on the Sega Genesis and eventually scrapped it because it came out too late in its life cycle. Yeah, by that point, I think there might have been a single-digit total of Sega Genesis games that came out in 96. Although Vector Man 2 was pretty good. I still like that game. <laughs> yeah, Vector. okay. As I was saying that before, before we shifted <laughs> over to Luffy 2, it's like I've heard a lot of people say you should beat Luffy 2 before Luffy 1 because of the way Luffy 1 begins and spoils the ending for Luffy 2, but I don't agree. Because simply put, Luffy 2, it... For one, it's more advanced systems will ruin you on Luffy 1, but also just as much it, it, spo- it spoils Luffy 1's plot just as much, just in more insidious ways. So, yeah, that's just my opinion. I, I, would, I would also make the point that um, actually Luffy 2's storyline is not spectacular. If anything, people who have played the first game will probably find the events of the second game more enriching. Yeah, see, most, a lot of stuff that happens in Lufia 2 is just a kind of random throwback to something which made much more sense in Lufia 1. Like, almost everything that appeared in Lufia 1 shows up in Lufia 2 with, like, one exception which stands out to the wavering. But beyond that, like, half the stuff you do in Lufia 2 is just like, oh, hey, this is something that happened in Lufia 1. Even though, you know, for some bizarre reason, the continents, geography, and kingdoms are completely different in Lufia 2 than Lufia 1, even though it's a hundred-year ago prequel. Apparently, well, well, it's obviously, a different of the world or something, but it makes no obviously, sense. Obviously, uh the tectonic plates of the planet moved. The <laughs> Sinistrals did it. <laughs> yeah, it's like there's not a single country or location shared between the two games except the title Fortress of Doom. That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> Which is weird for a hundred years prequel in which you're just the like, great grandchild of the previous hero, but the whole concept of releasing a prequel that I, 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 don't, I don't necessarily understand why they would have released a second game in the series to be a prequel to the first game. If they had originally planned a trilogy or I don't think there was a plan or anything. This is, you know, that's NES days. They didn't have these giant ambitious schemes of a giant trilogy that will blow everyone's Do, you, do you think that they just went to the drawing board and they said, well, we've already introduced these four characters at the start of the first game? Yeah, I think it's probably just a simple fact that, fact that probably Maxim and Selen and all that were popular because they had a cool intro and so people want to see more of a story. So I'm only bet this is just fan demand that went awry or something. Because yep. I will say, this is a weird prequel. It just doesn't make much sense as a prequel, but it's a fun game in its own right. Oh, it, it's, it's awesome from a gameplay point of view. I was actually saying to uh, Phil earlier that uh, it, like it, the um, the number of improvements that it actually made to its gameplay uh, have Many. since adapted for a ton of different console games. Yeah, you, you still have random fights on the overworld, but in dungeons, it's a lot more involved. No random yeah. encounters. That's right. Yeah, yeah it's, it takes on the saga style. Run into enemies and fight them there. Yeah, and, and, and uh, there's there, there's hundreds of puzzles right throughout the game. It's kind of and, and a lot of the puzzles are framed kind of the same way Golden Sun ones are. It's like Golden Sun or Wild Arms puzzles. All of those things kind of have a direct press right here. It's there, Luffy too. Just you run around and you it's like it's like a Zelda dungeon in a in a normal RPG with basically however and at the time. Just like you use your arrows to shoot traps. Yeah, and bombs and arrows and hook shots. Arrows, hook use shots. the lever to push things over. Yep. Might have taken a couple elements, whatever. Also, the the Fire menu that you would use the menu that you would use to select those different weapons and objects in dungeons is uh, it bears more than a vague resemblance to Secret of Mana's inventory menu. Yep, it looks exactly like it. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
Never and thought about that before. Yeah, the no, those this... weapons could be used to stun monsters and solve puzzles, and yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, okay, these puzzles could be evil, too. I got honestly completely stuck on one puzzle in this game, which you have to move through this exact pattern through to shoot the flaming arrow to knock the burnaway bush in growing vines. If the vine reaches full maturity, you'd be kicked into the room with the puzzle resets and you have to start all over again. And I never figured it out back then. It, it's awful. These are real mind twisting These puzzles. were the times before the internet. Yeah. You know, this is before I had to give up on the wild... This is like years before Wild Arms 2 did the same kind of thing to me. Like, this game was doing it. There's also a kind of a collecting side of it. This was one of the first games to really uh, flesh out the side quest side of things. So um, I, I remember there being, there was like eight dragon eggs that were dispersed. It's eight dragon eggs you shall collect yep. and get a wish. Yeah, and, and if you collected all eight and took them to the Dragon King, it would give you some sort of wicked awesome loot. And then it would restart, and you would have to find eight more eggs. And I, I, someone told me that it was some ridiculous number. Like, if you, if you brought eight eggs to him, like, 49 times, he would challenge you to a battle. And, of course, like all good side bosses, he was even more powerful than the game's final boss. Like, this guy will annihilate you if you're anything less than 99 levels high, right? Yeah, okay. I thought he's even the strongest boss in this game, considering... Okay, for one thing... Okay, no, I'll get to that later. First, though, this game rips off of Pokemon in the best way ever, because this game has uh, yes. monsters. The, 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 four yeah, yes, those monsters are cool. Capsule monsters, yeah. I mean, like, you have four party members, the fifth person is your capsule monster. Which is, like, you don't even have to control it, too. Yeah, it's, yeah like, it, it's on AI all the time, and it mostly in, behaves intelligently. I don't have to say, Pikachu, lightning attack! Although they do have different, uh, I remember them having different elements. Like, like yes. there was a normal element, a light element, fire, water. Yeah, there's like, one for each element, and the, it also you have to feed them your items and equipment to make them grow up. So they go from the oh, that, that was that was one of the that was thing. one of the gifts from the Dragon King. It was this awesome fruit that immediately leveled it up into some sort of mecha demon, <laughs> <laughs> depending on which Pokemon you had. Yeah, a lot of these things you would never guess based on what they start, what their final form is going to look like. Yeah, I mean, like, there's a little thing that starts with a little blue furball that suddenly becomes an angel. Little blue furball, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course, there was, like, one per dungeon, right? I only remember uh, there being no, six like, of them. That's, suddenly, they're really slowly paced out. Like, you get foamy, the neutral type one made of, well, bubbles early <laughs> on. Made of and then you get the fire one, and then the light one, but the rest are, like, really late in the game. yeah. It was a really cool concept, though. Why not have an extra AI character in the party? It's a really great concept. I just wish they introduced, gave you them out to you a little faster so you can make it more of a choice early in the game which one you wanted to build up. But that's only one complaint about them because otherwise they're really fun. Mm. I suppose that kind of added to the challenge, though. You don't want to make it too easy, right? <laughs> Do you think that this game were easy because of puzzles and stuff like that? Oh, one thing that I wanted to mention about the first game that actually also ties into to Lufia 2 is that um, the, the the naming of the spells is not it's not standard. Yes, it's not standard at all. Like um, the, the, Duke, the group water attack spell that hey, why is it why is an attack spell called it's, do? Yeah, yeah, no, it's it's no it's not in any way, shape, or form intuitive. Like I, I think I think the uh, heal spell was called like strengthen, or something along those lines and of course when you see something like strengthen you're thinking like i will use this and my attack power will improve but then you use it and you gain like 50 hp right 
Yeah, I, and then there's like Zap. I think is a powerful holy elemental attack or something. Yep. Yep. Not an electric. Not a, a not lightning a attack. It's holy. <laughs> Yeah, I'm remembering some of this now. Yeah, and that's the only th- that's the only thing that kind of bothered me is just dude, the the spells weren't intuitive. So unless you kind of tested everything out, you'd you'd never had a clear idea as to what something would do. Of course, the uh, the arcade makes a grand return in this game as well. Although this time round, I, I remember it having poker, a slot machine. There was blackjack. I think that there was some sort of bingo and some other game that I didn't understand. Yeah, For, further Dragon Quest influence there. Yeah, there, there's yep. a ton of casino games. And there's a ton of Dragon Quest influences here too. I mean, you can go to a church to to save and to have diseases removed from you. Obviously, there's the similarities in the in the battles themselves. Character progression. A little less so in this game because this time around they do a lot of major changes. Instead of the more the characters at the bottom, you still got the characters at the bottom screen, the enemies at the top, and now you see much more of the characters, I believe. Or no, no, I'm forgetting. Maybe not. No, I think mm-hmm. you do in this game. Yeah. But just as much now, this you no longer have group targeting instead of single targeting this one. Also, this game has a really cool trait that spells. You can freely target who they hit. So, for example, if you want to hit a fire spell spell and hit all, every enemy except one, you can select every enemy, then remove the targeting from that one enemy and hit every enemy except one. Or, like, you just wanted two, you can hit just those two. Or that one, that one, and that one, you can hit that one, that one, and that one. I've never seen a game do it since, but it's a really cool thing I liked from this one. So there's a strategic element to the battles themselves, too. Yeah, they also introduced an IP gauge, which lets you build up a gauge and burn its power to activate the special ability thing to each weapon. So, like, every weapon has a special attack hidden in it, and you can bring out with your, an IP move to do something cool. Yeah, the IP skills. And those, like, those were on armor, too. Yeah, I think armor and maybe even accessories. I can't remember all what had them, but they're, they're fun to use. Again, like Golden Sun borrowed this idea a lot. It just made them random rather than putting up a gauge. I just I just remember wearing like really crappy equipment just because I knew that it would work to to my advantage somehow. Also, it like had to be IP skills. Yeah. Also, this is this game like Dual Blade is the big MacGuffin weapon everyone wants in both games. But in the first one, you know, it just was a sword, raw attack power. In this game, its plot is terrible, but as an actual gameplay tool, it's amazing because it's IP skill wave motion, which is kind of a weird name for a move move but still wave motion just like full heals everyone and buffs all of their stats it's just crazy good yeah yeah so, so yeah, actually yeah you're completely right despite the fact that lufia 2 rise of the sinstrels is a prequel it will absolutely ruin you for lufia <laughs> yeah it's like, like yeah, if you go through these game, mechanics and then try to go back to lufia 1 you're gonna be really disappointed you're gonna be like why the hell am i playing this <laughs> yeah I, also I this even I remember even being impressed by the story back then, though, and that that's something that really has to be highlighted. Like, it's a great game, but um, this came out around the time of um, of Chrono Trigger and Earthbound, and there's there's all these games that are challenging uh, typical progression of story and 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 different influences, and, uh, and- Lufia too just feels very bread and butter. Okay, compared to those, like, without other complex plots, interesting things, Lufia 2 is, you, you go to a town, there's a dungeon blocking your path. You go into the town, something happens. You go to the dungeon, resolve the incident, you go back to town, <laughs> they congratulate you, you move on to either the tower door, which is locked, which they could just give you the key for, or the warp shrine, which is not functioning, but now functioning, then you move on to the next town and rinse and repeat. This well, is, I remember, is there is one neat bit in the middle when uh, Maxim and Selen get married and have a baby. 
Yeah, that's the one thing I like about this game. The fact that halfway through, suddenly the character, you think you've won, so the character say, hey, let's settle down, get married, have a kid. Just one year of peace and happiness and marital bliss. And then the plot picks up again, and it's actually a little less lockstep. It's like less the exact lockstep. opposite of what happens in Final Fantasy VI. <laughs> it's, like, it's the exact opposite of what happens in every RPG. <laughs> something very unique and distinct, which I love about the game, is that just, oh, hey, a romance goes somewhere, and I actually have large time pass raising a family right in the middle of the game now we gotta take the rug under your yeah Mac- maxim's entire character before this has pretty much been i'm on a quest for adventure i'm good at swords yeah, yeah. and then he meets selen who happens to be the only woman who can actually match him in battle prowess and what do you know sparks immediately fly and they and i can't remember if they actually fight each other before they fall in love or not they don't they ever fight each other they have a few arguments and such okay but... yeah Mm-hmm. But they immediately argue and bicker about it, things because Sol Ellen immediately doesn't like Maxim, but then they, he, he slowly wins her over and then they get married. Yeah. And meanwhile, Maxim's childhood friend, who just is only on this quest because she's madly in love with him, completely gets ditched in the process. Mm-hmm. And let's see. I, I remember you get, your, you get your butt whooped by Gades when you first fight him, and then you do something, I don't even remember what, and you beat him in a pretty tough fight, and then we have the baby, the year passes. And whomp, the Sinistrals are back. And now yep. it's not just one, it's all four. <laughs> yeah, plus there's like a fifth Sinistral who shows up briefly and then you kill him and he's gone and no one ever cares about him again. <laughs> oh, oh, and uh, the ancient cave is in this one too, isn't it? Yeah, I was yes, going to mention that. Yes, it is. Because, yeah. Instead of like, just a little like side dungeon. Uh. <laughs> I actually tried the ancient cave a couple of times and I got down to oh, about the 60s in the floors and then... I got unlucky and died. Yeah, okay. The thing about the ancient cave is like last time it was just a bunch of prescripted dungeon floors that, you know, always are the same, normal dungeons. This time around, it's a full on roguelike. Random dungeon levels, random treasure, random monsters. The only thing Every I time remember you go in, about you that go until you yeah, can barely leave. The, the only the only monsters that I actually remember from the ancient cave are the dragons. They had like uh, gold and bronze and silver dragons, and they always kicked my ass. <laughs> Yeah, I, I never got that far myself. I, I remember it's like the red chest which help you in the cave, but you can't bring the treasure out. You can't bring your normal equipment in. You, you said there's blue chests, which if you grab them, you can bring the treasures out and bring them back in. Your mm-hmm. levels reset every time you come in. Very. And you can leave only every 20 floors, right? Something like that. I, yeah. Or if you find the, good, the secret item that will yeah. let you leave. I think mm-hmm. it's like all the problems. And once I did try to go all the way and, uh, I don't know, 66, 67, something like that, I got unlucky, died, and there went about three hours. Because <laughs> you can't save in the middle of the ancient cave. Right. Yeah. No, no, I, I heard that there was a final boss on the, the final floor. There's, there's like 99 final... floors. Yeah, there's 99 floors, and the final boss is something crazy powerful. So powerful, in fact, that its HP is the absolute ab- maximum allowable number by their math and identical system. In fact, this is so high that if you use a healing item on this boss, it'll wrap around and have negative hit points and die. Oh, I, I heard it was a giant slime. Yeah, giant slime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the most powerful so slime ever created. Slime. <laughs> I love the fact they include the ancient cave as this cool side optional thing, especially since you know they dedicated an entire game mode to it. Because if you beat the game like twice, I think you unlock a special game mode where you can you're teleported straight to the to the town which has the ancient dungeon cave. You can choose any, of all the different characters in the game. You get to pick which ones you get to bring with you and just go through the ancient cave as much as you like. 
It's like, can we take a to, can we take a second to reflect on how much we enjoy New Game Plus? <laughs> <laughs> Especially Which was still a new stuff. thing at the time. Only, <laughs> Chrono, only Chrono Trigger really had it around the time. Yeah, and also not only does it have a New Game Plus, it also has a New Game Plus Plus mode in which it's you. Oh no, it's just a New Game Plus special mode. Anyways, there's a special mode you get by beating this game. Where you can start the game over and get four times as much money and experience by fighting enemies. This awesome. makes grinding a lot easier. <laughs> Of course, to, to get it, you have to get you, to get it. Though you have to be the game, and yeah, there's, or, there's I remember there being some really brutal bosses and just standard enemies in this game. Yeah, and also the fact that you know is okay. You have to beat the game, or you can do like I did and just rent it, which someone has already unlocked that mode and start oh, it that way. Lame. <laughs> Not, not, it's not likely to happen anymore. I don't think any store will re- <laughs> no, rent Lufia 2 now. Who's renting Dead Super Lufia. NES games now? <laughs> Who's playing Super NES games now? <laughs> Happily played if this is on virtual console. People who are listening to this show right now, all of them are playing a Super Nintendo game. I hope so. There you go. That'd be really nice, actually. Well, it would be really nice if they brought some of these to, like you said, the virtual console, especially um, like the one on the, the 3DS. I mean, I really do have fun uh, playing some of these retro titles on, on the 3DS because the, the lower resolution works just fine on the smaller screen. You know, you don't want that blown up on a 60-inch plasma, and it doesn't even look that great even on a 21-inch uh, computer monitor these days. But you throw yep. that on your, you know, your 3DS or something like that, and uh, yeah, it works just fine. And having, you know, having, I probably got, I don't know, probably two dozen retro games on the 3ds so being able to flip back and forth between those really fast is kind of cool and um i don't know if y'all feel that lufia 2 has kind of the same episodic feel that the first one had but that sounds like it would also be um something that lends itself better to a handheld experience i don't i've never been the mindset that uh, certain games are better handheld like that i mean for me i actually prefer rpgs on consoles overall but that's just my own preferences i'm just kind of saying i'm just kind of saying if if an rpg if an rpg feels more episodic in other words i mean um you look at the first half of uh dragon quest you know that kind of felt that way because you have these distinct chapters uh that will tend to lend itself more to a handheld experience where you might get to it today might not get for a couple weeks or yeah yeah, you're on a bus and it's a natural stopping point whereas uh, a more epic rpg you know, I found it harder. Like you said, I kind of find it harder to play that on a handheld. It's better to play on a, you know, on a console. I, I won't agree with that overall, but I guess it's a matter of personal taste more than. You like anything. sitting down and playing a sixty-hour straight epic RPG on a handheld? Is that what you're saying? No, I like saying I also like episodic short stuff on console. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, with consoles, kind of like, eh, do I really want to get up and flip out that, you know, for something that's episodic, that's short, a shorter attention span, do I want to get I up and know, flip around those like discs? dungeons for each episode, so, I mean, it's <laughs> not like they're, you know, just a five-minute thing. No, episodic tends to be an hour to two hours per shot, and if you're just playing for five minutes, you shouldn't be doing an RPG, you probably should be playing Donkey Kong. Or something. <laughs> Angry Birds. Angry Birds, yeah. Yeah. When we talk about episodic in terms of RPG, we are talking about, uh, you know, I'm just at grandma's and I'm going to have an hour and a half to kill, you know, type of thing. Uh, for me, that's, you know, any game I prefer in an hour and a half chunks, regardless of handheld or console. I hate, because I hate games that don't end right. I'd like it after an hour or so, because then my eyes start to hurt. I forget to take a break. Yeah. Whereas <laughs> your heart, you know, your, your, your general RP gamer, not saying this is applies to everybody. I'm just saying, you know, we talk about people who play, you know, RP you know, day in and day out and beat them left and right. A lot of them will sit down and play it for four-hour stretches, five-hour stretches, six-hour stretches. Eight-hour stretches. Eight-hour yeah. stretches, yeah, absolutely. And so that's more of a... That's why these people have shorter backlogs than me. Yeah, yeah, so that's... Uh, it's just... that. That's uh, and, and hey, I agree with you, you know, Nathan, I'm actually not the 
ever going to be this six or seven hour stretch, you know, person. I don't have that much free time. Uh, I'm just thinking of it in a frame of reference of general RP gamers, you know, yeah, yeah. they're kind of silly. It is interesting <laughs> that you mentioned that, though, because uh, Lufia 2 actually marks the last time a Lufia game is on a home console. Yeah, yeah, there was a... Though they have all been on Nintendo systems. I wonder if there's a theme. <laughs> or if it means anything. Eh. Well, well, there was one originally planned for the PlayStation, but I remember it being canceled. And before we get too far away from Luffy 2, I want to say that the Sinistrals actually go down pretty easy at the end. At least they did for me. Yeah, I don't think it's the hardest fight ever. It's, no, there isn't even really a dungeon. You, there are no enemies when you go through the tower. The, yeah, it's like, and also, unlike in the original game, the, the opening part of the first game, where you get this grand battle against basically all four of them at once, in this one you kind of fight them one at a time throughout the entire main dungeon. It's a lot less epic and exciting. You yeah. don't fight them all in a row like you did in the original. And for some reason, the elf Artea, everyone insists on calling Artie, because, you know, Artie is so much more chummy and Artea, oh gosh, that makes him sound cold and distant. Because elves are never cold and distant, right? Especially not these elves. <laughs> that just oh, bothered man. me because Artie sounds like, well, it sounds like an adjective. And Artea actually sounds like a good name. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, and other... thinking, oh, ahead, another Mike. thing is that uh, the music in this game is pretty darn good. Yes. Oh, it's great. It's great. Okay, any other uh, thoughts here on uh, Artinelco? Artinelco. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Luffy. I'm on the. Uh, I'll explain that comment later. But um, <laughs> Luffy too. Um, for my money, this is the best in the series. But I don't know if you should necessarily start here. Yeah, yeah it's like like if only you could have like Luffy one story with this game's battle mechanics and capsule monsters and everything yeah. or something. I really would like to see where the series have continued properly after this one. But well, I guess it's a statement for the rest of it for a little bit later yeah i'm I'm sorry but it's all downhill from here (laughs) shucks well there were uh there were a couple of uh other games i don't think we're going to talk about them too much in depth uh since uh none of us have actually played them but we'll we'll touch base on each one here and if there's 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 a reason to why we didn't play them and you guys can contribute what you may or may not know about these things (laughs) Yes. Honestly, I, I barely remember these things were even localized. Hmm. I barely remember there were even two games after this. <laughs> well, there are technically three, but one is a remake of Lufia 2, and uh, we'll we'll get to that. I played enough of it that I can speak somewhat on the subject. Okay, Phil, oh, shall we so, shall we move into the handheld ranks now? Yeah, so we had uh, Lufia, The Legend Returns, and this third game of the Lufia series, uh, Wayne, Maxim's Descent, and his allies attempt to stop the four Sinistrals from destroying the world. Bet you didn't see that coming. So, <laughs> At least it has the Sinistrals again. <laughs> so any thoughts on, uh, on, uh, on the, what was it, um... Yeah, this one. Uh, this Game one Boy was Color released. Game. Yeah, it was released in uh, September seven, two thousand and one, in Japan. It's Game uh, Boy Color, right? Game Boy. Wait, is that the right one? Yeah, Game Boy Color. Yeah, and then North America on September thirtieth, uh, two thousand and one. It uh, took advantage of the Game Boy's new enhanced color palette, so featuring sophisticated eight <laughs> bit graphics, a new battle system, and randomized dungeons. Because that's what everyone loves: randomized dungeons. God, I hate for the whole game. Dungeons. <laughs> for the whole game there yeah that's that's the mark of true true genius right there when you i played the evolution games which had randomized dungeons i don't want to play them again thank you very much yeah it's like 
I mean, the roguelike kind of mystery dungeon style mini game of the Ancient Cave in Two was fun as a side diversion. As, as a diversion. the entire game, it's a little less. It doesn't work well for the RPG stuff very well. And See, I I don't know if it's developers being lazy or if it's them just thinking that they need to try something new. But yeah. I I've yet to meet a single person who actually enjoys randomized dungeons like that. All the people who play Diablo. No, I'm just that. <laughs> I get I mean, okay. I, I mean, I play roguelikes on occasion, so that, like they can be good, but it's not easy to do. Yeah, it's not easy to to do. And it and certainly to do. doesn't. It, it, it just doesn't work with story. And I mean, character development. This yeah. might be a bit of a bit of an off tangent here, but it's not easy to do well, as kind of uh, somewhat evidenced by uh, Diablo three. Uh, I've been playing that. Uh, well, I played that when it came out for some, quite some number of hours into it, and yet, and because they're 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 using these randomized dungeon, but there's a set story and there's set beginning and ends to a lot of the dungeons and such. It really doesn't feel you don't feel the benefit of the randomized dungeon. In fact, it just kind of detracts you know from the whole thing. So I mean, they really have to be done well. They have to be done right uh, mm-hmm. in order to be um, in order to bring that strength to the table that you feel like every time you're playing it, it is something that legitimately feels as good or nearly as good as a created dungeon, but at the same time is different every time you play it. That's a very hard uh, balance to, to, to maintain. It would seem much easier uh, in my opinion just to create the dungeons right to begin with manually and just have that one done, you know, rather than try to randomize them up, but hey, what do we know? <laughs> I, I have yet to have a player sit at my table and go, boy, we want a random dungeon a day. Just <laughs> never happens. Uh, to give people, uh, I, I haven't played this game myself, so I don't have a huge lowdown on the story, but I do remember this, this game was originally called Lufia 3 Ruins Chaser. And it was originally going to be out on the PlayStation. Um, the company that was developing it wasn't Never Nevermind like all the other Lunar games. It was... Um, uh, I can't even remember what the title of, of, of the game company was, but it, but it went out of business, and this was eventually moved to the Game Boy Color instead. So a lot of people view it as a side game, but it, it, it was originally intended to be a continuation of the storyline. It should have been developed for the N64 because that console really needed anything it could get in the RPG realm. But you didn't enjoy Quest 64? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I enjoyed it exactly as much as the developers probably enjoyed making it. <laughs> oh man, Quest 4, that's just... Oh god. Uh, anyway, Lucia... funny to play this game because I, I saw screenshots of it and it looked kind of comparable to Pokemon. Actually, that's not fair. It looked kind of crappy, to be, <laughs> to be honest. So I just never got around to it. Yeah, Pokemon without collecting any Pokemon and with randomized dungeons. What would that be? Probably pretty bad. Yeah. Well, to give you guys a bit of perspective, uh, RPG Gamer originally gave it a 4 out of 10. Ooh, oh, wow. wow. And that was back in the old days when almost nobody ever bothered to proof reviews, so that means something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, this this is the one I have not touched, so I can't say much about it except that randomized dungeons, and I do not have a great relationship. Let's move on to Luffy. Wait, can I ask one question first? I sure. can't quite keep this straight. Is this the one we're talking about, the one with like 9 to 12 party members once, or is that the next one? Uh, it must be, because there sure weren't in uh, the next one. Yeah, because, like, that's the one thing I can see that's interesting with this game is that they give you like nine party members at once and their their formation mattering a lot, which I think is an interesting touch I haven't seen replicated again, but yep. I guess yeah, there's, there's, to save there's this game. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that, that is at least a unique aspect which could work. Hmm. Could you could you imagine having to grind to equip nine party members? <laughs> oh man. I can. <laughs> the prospect does not fill me with love. <laughs> 
Well, uh, Phil, I, I think we're ready to move even lower. <laughs> okay, well, let's move lower on to Lufia, The Ruins of Lore. Uh, this was released on the Game Boy Advance in North America on May 6, 2003. Uh, it was released uh, in Japan 2002, and um, I'm not even going to try to pronounce the Japanese name. Um, it's a Gaiden or side story uh, game that deviates from the normal lore of the series, published by Taito in Japan and Atlas in America. I played perhaps one. I played perhaps three and a half to four hours of this once. I remember ugly, ugly character designs. I remember graphics that required squinting. I remember a slow battle system. I remember being extremely angry that you have to make permanent save slots and then deal with temporary saves for upwards of an hour at a time because even in the little bit I played, the dungeons are pretty big and this this is one of my pet peeves when handheld games don't let you save whenever you want. And I remember getting, oh, I don't know, 40 minutes into a dungeon and, oops, I, I got killed and I just lost all that progress. And I remember thinking, this is not worth going back to. And I stopped and I sold it to, I think, some guy in Germany. <laughs> and I never want to go back to it again. If I had continued at that rate, I would have given it a flat one out of five on our review scale. And I have no regrets about not subjecting myself to the many hours of extreme unpleasantness that would have been required to make that happen. See, I, I never once played this game. I, I, I have actually only heard of it today when I did some research. Yeah, I think this is one of those things where, you know, for me, there's two Luffy games, and the rest, <laughs> I just... I and there's some garbage. <laughs> yeah, things that pretend to be Luffy, but aren't, sadly. So there, I, I, have, I have thoroughly and soundly dissed this game. Um... <laughs> uh, so, well, maybe you want to diss this game, too. Um, so, um, this is Lufia Curse of the Sinistrals. Haha, that sounds familiar. Came out in North America on October 12, 2010 for the Nintendo DS uh, system. It was developed by the staff of the original Lufia. And the game was released uh, in for February on, on February 25, 2010 in Japan. And uh, was uh, later released here in North America. It's a reimagining of Lufia 2 Rise of the Sinistrals. With a modified story and characters, as well as being an action RPG. Now, how does that make you guys feel? Not okay. great. <laughs> How does it look? I'll, I'll, okay, let you, like Nathan, I'll let you and Trent have at it, and then I'll uh, I'll relate my experience. Okay. Well, I remember being really excited for this game, because when I originally heard about it, uh, probably by second year university, um, I had heard that a new Lunar game was coming out for the DS. It was going to be called uh, The Land Cursed by the Gods. And I was like, oh, sweet, Lunar's coming back, and it's on a modern platform. I can't wait to play it. And then I heard that it was a, a remake of the second game, or re, an enhanced reboot of the second game, and I thought, oh, sweet, the second game is awesome. And then someone told me it was an action RPG, and I, part of me died. Yeah, like, this is the kind of game where it's like, okay, it's an action RPG that changes the characters, changes the plots. It does, I'm not even sure it's up the weird cube weapons they're wielding. And, okay, what part of this is supposed to be Lufia 2? I, I don't understand. <laughs> Where's Lufia 2 in here? I mean, I look at the character design for Tia, and like, how is that supposed to be Tia? I, I'm sorry, I guess my interest began and ended with all of that. It's like, this just... I mean, okay, I want to see Lufia come back. I don't know what this is. It's not Lufia. And it, from everything I've, every review I've ever heard about it, it, you know, it says, you know, this isn't really a great game on its own merits either. So I, It was a huge financial I, bomb, too. Like, I, it didn't sell well at all. Oh, well... <laughs> 
Which kind of ends the Lupia series coming back, I suppose. Does that does that mean I have to relate my my pain now? Yes, feel free. Okay, I played I don't know five six hours of this. Let's see the action RPG mechanics. I will actually give the least damning to. They were okay, not not great or anything, but I could usually see what was going on, and they were moderately. They were not dispiriting. The plot. Okay. We have now reimagined Maxim as one of those stereotypical anime, I want to be stronger dudes. And we have reimagined Tia as one of those ladies who tags along with these stereotypical dudes. And of course is the only one who can bring him to heel because, you know, that trope is so new and exciting that we need to have it again. And I made it to the point where you're running through a cave trying to beat some treasure hunters and you are in a minecart they are in a minecart you need to precisely mimic the motions make being made in their minecart and you have a very very tight margin of time in which to do this and you need to do it oh at least 20 times or so and i tried this thing 30 or so times in the middle of the night because i had insomnia that day and eventually i just got so angry at the thing that i set it down and said never again so there Oh, and it looks like, as you would expect, a DS action RPG to look kind of blurry and grainy. So, it took everything. Yes, the locations are vaguely similar. They have been revamped for the action RPG mechanics, and I didn't get far enough to see if those became interesting at all. Instead, you just uh, you have to suffer through inane dialogue that could have come out of any bargain bin anime with no thought paid to its characters, and I I can't come up with anything positive to say about the game, really. There, I'm done. Oh. <laughs> Except yeah. that it uses the same soundtrack, which is still good. Yeah, and it really actually is. has real instruments now. That's it. So just go listen to Lufia 2's soundtrack again. You'll have gotten the single good part of this remake out of your way. Mm. Don't fret for the developer, though, because uh, the, the company that's behind uh, not only this game, but every Lufia game, save the one that was released for the, the, Game, Boy, uh, the Game Boy Color, mm-hmm. uh, no, the, yeah, the Game Boy Color, uh, is, is currently the people behind the, the Rune Factory games, which are massively successful. And very fun. Yeah, they are pretty fun. And yet, this was touted as having been by the same people who did Lufia 2 14 years prior, which can only mean that all of them forgot what made Lufia 2 good and just decided, let's try all the ideas we didn't have then and we didn't have for a good reason, and now everyone can go, you really lost your way. Thanks for showing us that in the most unambiguous way possible. Well, you know, there might also be some corporate meddling in there, and who knows what else kind of happens. But game design is a complex thing, but it didn't turn out well. No, it didn't. Could just be that most of the people who worked on those games have departed elsewhere. Could very well be. That's probably the thing that you know, they've been work- they were working on Rune Factory and stuff, uh, so they were more familiar with action game mechanics and the <laughs> traditional RPG mechanics by that point or something. I don't know. I might just be making an excuse at this point. Yeah, we'll probably never know. Japanese game developers are notoriously tight-lipped about that sort of thing. So, having closed on such a downer note, Phil, do you want, <laughs> we want to do a price run-through? Hmm, a price run-through... We usually do that. People out there buying Lufia games. I wonder. 
Hmm, let's take a look we got today, see if it's one of those big collector things. You know, I've been noticing just, I mean, collecting old games, uh, especially with, uh, especially with uh, the uh, help of YouTube and all these collectors showing their stuff on YouTube, is just really, really gaining in popularity, and you're seeing a, an uptick in a lot of the uh, prices of used games. Uh, let's see, as people are really trying hard to cap- recapture their, their youth. But it looks like uh, you want those nicer uh, Super Nintendo games, you are going to have to uh, dig deep. <laughs> Uh, Luffy and the Fortress of Doom. I've got one copy here for, uh, without a box or anything for like 30 bucks, and um, and a couple of other ones for like the 55 to 60 range. So I don't think that $30 one's going to last too long. Uh, then we got uh, for Luffy 2, the the uh, the one that you guys said was better. Well, it looks like it, it, yeah, it looks like that the uh, people who are selling it believe so too because they're asking for $75. Yep. Plus shipping. <laughs> so not surprising. It's a late Super Nintendo release. There can't be all that many copies out there. Mm-mm-mm. You're gonna be paying out the uh, Luffy for that one. Which makes me glad that I still have mine. There you go. Well, you know what you can do if you need 75 quick bucks. Uh, yeah. Luffy of the Legend Returns on your Game Boy Color is uh, there's one copy for 20 bucks with the cartridge only another one with the manual for 50 bucks Oof. lufia the ruins of lore for the game boy advance is uh running about uh, 35 40 to all the way up to 60 depending on the condition and the books and uh last but most certainly not the most expensive lufia <laughs> curse of the sinistrals on the nintendo ds uh you can actually get those brand new for around 20 dollars uh plus shipping so uh yeah, looks like uh looks like if you want to get on board with the Lufio program, you you better have a good bank account. Better have some or bucks have in your back pocket. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. Hmm. Well, we're gonna take a teeny tiny break, and I don't know what we're gonna do after we come back from break. We'll figure it out. Listen to this music. Well, we figure out what we're doing next. <laughs> We've decided to go straight to the chase and get on with this with the final lap. This is the part of the show where we just do all of our housekeeping and just talk about whatever we're doing or whatever we want to talk about. Everything goes here. It's the kitchen sink of the backtrack. Uh, first off, we'll uh, mention that our next RPG backtrack, number 86, is called Rasputin's iPhone. We're going to be talking about one of my personal favorite series of game, the Shadowheart series. So you'll want to want to look out for that. We'll be doing the recording on January 27th, and then uh, I'll edit that as soon as I can, and we'll get that up shortly thereafter. So that's going to be super exciting. If you've played the Shadow Heart series of games and you have questions, comments, or thoughts, you can go ahead and uh, email those um, to me, I think. I, you know, I never did get my email to work. Better yet, just go on our forums and post something on our forums. <laughs> or uh, Twitter me. Um, I'm JC Servant on Twitter. So, um, and I'm probably JC Servant on Facebook as well. Um, as well as my normal name, Philip Willis, works just fine on Facebook. So those are probably easier than trying to write down my immensely long email address that I know for a fact does work. Uh, um, 
So that's pretty cool. Uh, let's go ahead and, and do our final lap wrap-up and just see what each one of you wants to do. Pimp whatever you'd like. Tell us. We'll start off with uh, Mr. Minky. What's new with you? We'll start start off with you for once. Okay. I'm going to mix uh, it up here. We're just going all out. We're just breaking all the rules and traditions. My most recent review on RP Gamer is that of Crimson Shroud, which... Well, if you've been pining for something by Yasumi Matsuno for a long, long time, this is the only way to get it. And I hope you love taking out the stylus to flail dice around virtually because you're going to get to do it a lot. And I also hope you love going back to a certain fight and hoping that the enemies drop the, the item you need this time because it's the only way to progress. And I also hope you like wandering around. It's not a very big game, but you get to wander around several times aimlessly until you finally find, ah, that's where I needed to go to progress things. I I didn't hate it, I, even though I'm sounding kind of denigrating toward it, but uh, neither did I particularly like it. And the thing that I just described to you will probably give you some idea of whether you might like it or not. It's extremely tabletop-ish to the point where the characters in the game look like tabletop ter- tokens and they just wobble around instead of actually moving. And since I only took seven hours with it, I've been playing a lot of Shadow Hearts and prep for very soon. I'm almost done with From the New World right now. I'll get a review up of that very soon. I, I can't say it's quite as good as Covenant, but it's a damn fine game anyway. And I played Dragon Quest Slime Mori Mori, which is, was on the GBA and is the precursor to Rocket Slime, which many people are familiar with. I didn't love Slime Mori Mori, but I had fun with it. It's cute. It's much more of an action game than any kind of RPG, since the only real RPG aspect is, uh, well, you can go buy hearts to increase your life meter, and boy, that's so RPG-ish. Uh, and I'll, I'll just mention a couple of movies right now. I saw Les Miserables, and I never have to see it again. <laughs> It feels so much longer than 157 minutes, and I can't really explain that. But now I finally get the gag at the end of that second season Seinfeld episode where Elaine's dad was singing Master of the House. I get that gag now. And Hugh Jackman does a great job. Actually, all of them do good jobs. I can't really fault any production aspect. I can't fault the acting. I can't even fault the singers. It just goes on and on and on, and most of the songs are about the same tempo, so they kind of blend together, even though they're individually good, and there's almost no action, and I find my mind wandering repeatedly, and yeah, I'm glad I never have to see the thing again, because it felt so much longer than it actually was. Oh, gosh. And I'd I'd like to say that This is 40 is pretty fun. I enjoyed This is 40. It's a little too long, but most of what it thinks is funny actually is funny. That's always a plus with a comedy. And seeing Albert Brooks and John Lithgow is fun. And, yeah, if you like Judd Apatow movies, this one should do it. If you don't like Judd Apatow movies, then I don't know why you'd even be considering this in the first place. And rather than go on with all the movies I've seen, which is a long, long list, especially since I haven't done this in a long time, I will pass the mic to someone else. <laughs> all right. How about you, Mr. Schlothen? Um, I'm as boring as ever. Uh, really can't say much more than that. Playing all kinds of video games recently. Um, I think I mentioned this, but I finally beat Demon Souls yesterday. Playing some of its new game plus mode today. Especially since you know today is the part of the whole whole pure white tendency event that are holding, which is you know my first chance to actually see pure white tendency. Uh, new game plus is mean. I don't like it. I'll just probably start over from again rather than play it more. 
Uh, <laughs> I just don't want to say other than that. Also, uh, you know, blood intensity events are kind of so arbitrary and random. I don't really like the mechanic that much. Also, I have no idea why my character tendency ended up black. I have no idea why that's the case. It kind of bugs me that I don't know why. And that's about it. Demon Souls is Demon Souls. Everyone here already knows how they feel about it. I like it. Except for New Game Plus mode. It's just, you know, same except harder, which is already hard enough. You know, I've enjoyed my relatively short experience with it because, uh, I mean, in, in a lot of these games, I don't care what kind of game you play, a lot of the, the gamers will just go in and feel like they can just run into these dungeons and take down these monsters and, and whatever have you. But in, in, in Demon Souls, you really do feel like what it probably should be the the atmosphere, which is, everything here can kill me if i'm not careful yeah. i need to pay attention to my surroundings i need to pay attention to you know enemy behaviors uh, you know that's the way i think kind of dungeons should be i'm kind of in a pen and paper sense people think i'm a little sadistic but it's kind of like you know but but these are dangerous creatures these are dangerous settings these are dangerous traps and if and if you don't feel like i'm not you know if you don't feel like there's danger around every corner i'm doing something wrong yeah, so I, I kind of yeah, like well, the way Demon Souls makes you feel that way. Yeah, Demon Souls is a great game for the sense that you know, at any given moment, if you're not careful, something can kill you. It's like you need to be be careful around every corner, be careful around dark room, keep an eye on the floor so you don't step off a hole in the ground and die like I did twice earlier today. Oh, I, no. There's all kinds of things that kill you. You need to be very careful and cautious and methodic, and whatever you do, don't get overconfident, don't rush. And I I love how. It's very fair games, just, you know, kind of difficult and challenging, and I love that about it. Hmm. But I'm just not, I don't love it enough to get into New Game Plus mode with harder difficulty. No, no, no. I mean, there's, there's, there's fun hardness and there's masochistic. But it, it definitely feels like it rewards, you know, patience and, and preparation, which I think is our key elements in a good RPG. Um, it was funny, when I was going through the first, uh, the first uh, world or whatever it's called, um, a friend of mine was playing it at the same time, and uh, we were talking over Skype. He was throwing his controller, he was very cranky and upset and um and the more frustrated he got the more he died <laughs> oftentimes yeah. dying before he'd even get back to reclaim his souls from where he had died before so it's usually a good sign to step away take a break get back to it later or... right whereas i wasn't dying but i was the kind of person that i would get so far in and but when my health was even at halfway i'd run back out again and because uh, every time you run out, your health recharges. And I and the whole time I'm just banking up more and more souls so I can, you know, buy better, you know, equipment or whatever it is I could buy. So, yeah, I don't think I died once um, throughout that first thing. But it was – I had come very, very close a number of times. But any time I was close, if I didn't have the capability of healing myself, I ran all the way back out again. I didn't, I didn't risk death. And that's that's what that game does. I mean, there is no reward for death. <laughs> there is none. Uh, so you, at the same time, you know, the game's not that punishing for death either, which I appreciate. I mean, it is if you're sure impatient. Sure, you can lose some soul, but I mean, you may even lose a lot of soul. But at the same time, that's all you lose. Well, soul and progress. What, you keep all your items. You keep what you've learned. You, uh, all the doors you've unlocked are stay unlocked. I mean, that's kind of what's interesting is that you, if you die, you drop your souls at that location in that world, so you come. Come back and you got to play through and if you get to that location again you reclaim everything that you had you know lost at that point but if you die before you get back to that point then those souls are going to be lost for good so i mean if you got there once you should be able to get there again in fact it should be easier because you'll have more experience and knowledge as a player uh, on how to get there uh in one piece but what happens is if you got cranky or impatient and and you make one bad judgment in combat or you know you let that that sort of things get frustrating yeah yeah then you're going to get spanked so 
I died so many ways to getting frustrated at those moments and such. I don't really regret it, though. It's such a fun game, even though it took me forever to beat it. Oh, well. Oh. So how about uh, you, Mr. Fresh? What would you like to share with our listening audience this evening? Um, well, I have an editorial coming out soon about grinding in RPGs and how important it is. And uh, speaking of grinding, I'm currently wait, wait, playing... Wait, 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 wait. Why is grinding important? Why is why would grinding not be important? Because, okay, oh, you, you had to go here. Here we go. All right. <laughs> here we go. Somebody didn't listen to the last few back... Okay. Back in the old days, okay, when you were just a speckle in your mother's eye and, and us old fogies were sitting around playing pen and paper, right? The yes. objective in any pen and paper was to get to the end of the plot. Beat up the bad guy who's trying to take down your castle or whatever the deal may be. You accrued experience along the way in process from getting to point A to point B, and you would you would level up and get more powers, and that's a cool and fun part of the uh, the formula. At no point in time in pen and paper, however, did the players go, "Oh man, we're we're close to level three, so before we go further to try to rescue the princess, uh, let's go out and beat up some bunny rabbits and snakes because we really need that last fifty experience." But you never do that in pen and paper because the point was you're constantly moving towards that goal of of getting to the bad guy, and and the experience and leveling up and those types of things that's part of your character growing along the way and it's like that in any book when you read a book a fantasy book the the idea of role-playing is they're supposed to is that they help to mirror these 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 fantasy stories and books to some degree um and so you would never see the hero go well i'm gonna go out and kill some skeletons and level up before i go and but then computer and console rpgs came out and because there's no dungeon master running things at the table certain mechanics had to be put in of course they also wanted to make the game seem like a better value for what you're paying for so grinding came to be and 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 it was good for the publishers but people like me hated it the idea that okay the next dungeon i'm supposed to go to is right here i know that's the next dungeon in the story that's where the lieutenant is at holding you know whatever but before i can go there i got to go and beat 50 rounds of skeletons to level up it's just it's it's antithetical to the cold core role-playing experience and it and it yanks me out i mean i'm, I'm here to save the world and i've got to stop and beat up on bunny rabbits i got to beat up like 50 groups of them because i'm not powerful enough uh huh so explain to me why you think it's a great thing well, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not uh, arguing to the point that it is important. I'm I'm questioning its importance. The, see, it, it almost exists. Uh, there, there's a spectrum in place that pretty much every RPG gamer sits on. One end of the spectrum is I'm not a fan of grinding. I'm not a fan of wasting too much time in battles. The point of me playing this RPG is to get to know the characters, to move the story forward, and beat it. There's another part of the spectrum, which is the the far part of the spectrum that says I like killing a lot of stuff and then when i get to the more pivotal parts of the story i like creaming everything in my path and then there are the people who kind of fit more towards the middle that say well i want to make sure my characters do well enough in the future and i don't mind the battle system and i'm okay with grinding a little bit if it gets me better weapons and better abilities but i don't want to spend too much time on it so the the bigger thing that i'm questioning and it really does depend on gamer preference is what role grind plays in current rpgs essentially Hmm. Hmm. that sounds like a far more nuanced take on it than 
what you just said, Phil. I don't know. I just I, if there's <laughs> if there's bad guys between me and the princess, I want to kick all their butts. If there, if I if the you know <laughs> if there's if there's 800 goblins in the goblin camp, which I think there should be. I don't think you ever see like five goblins in a goblin camp. There's always like hordes of goblins. Then it makes sense that yeah, getting from point A to point B, I'm going to kick a lot of goblin ass. And as long as there's a good battle system supporting it, I'm going to enjoy kicking that goblin ass. But the <laughs> idea that the that I'm going to go out of my way to go kill some bunny rabbits and snakes or whatever's wandering in the dark forest because the cave of you know whatever's enemies are two levels too high for me so i went in there saw that they were tough i said no let me go out and beat up some bunny rabbits first so i can get better gear or gold or whatever that to me is what real grinding is you know that's my definition of grinding when i have to go out of my way and run around in circles and invoke random battles uh to get from point you know because i'm trying to level up or get better gear because uh because the games you know when going through what happens in a lot of rpgs is uh, if you're just sticking to the plot and you're just going from bad guy to bad guy, from bad guy going from point A to B to C, oftentimes you'll find that point B or point C, the, the enemies and stuff are too high level for you. And it's like the game is telling you you have to grind in order to keep up. That ticks me off. Yeah, that that's just yeah, that's just that's just only because it kind of goes against the whole idea of. I don't know of of an RP, you know, a fantasy experience where a hero is saving uh, the world or whatever. But there have been times where the battle systems are just so much fun that I do enjoy the quote unquote grinding. And we spoke about this a little bit before the podcast. How much I enjoy um, Ark Rise Fantasia on the Wii. The battle systems there are so much fun. We're going to talk about Shadow Hearts, same thing uh, in a couple Grandia? of weeks. There's another one. Grandia. Oh yes, Mike has heard me go on and on about Grandia. I there's, love Grandia. Oh come on, there's nothing more satisfying than knocking an enemy seventy feet up in the air. I was looking for. Things to fight, <laughs> but I'm not. You know that that's just so. Sometimes the battle systems are so much fun. It's 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 not even funny. Anywho, but, but, but that's that's what I'm trying to kind of narrow down to. I, I, I for a second, it's almost disappointing that you're telling me that you actually enjoy grinding, quote unquote, grinding in some games. Because I was about to offer you a spot in my article. Uh, I was I was gonna name it the the Phil Willis benchmark, Phil which Willis. is the end of the spectrum the, the, of people who just are so adverse. The the challenge is is that in the vast majority of RPGs I play, and and specifically JRPGs, is that the battle systems are so generic or so boring or whatever have you. I don't want to play any more than I have to to get to the major plot points. So the I yeah some of those battles the Grandias of the world, the Shadow Hearts of the world, they're so rare and few and far between. That my general my general take on it is I don't like grinding. If there's a good story and I'm going from point A to point B, and I'm just going through the dungeons, some random battles along the way, whatever have you. But as long as I don't have to go and grind, I can really enjoy a JRPG with a good story. Um, if I'm just going through and just killing stuff along the way, but if I have to take myself out of the experience to go kill stuff in the Black Forest to level up, uh, it better be a darn good battle system. So what are you playing? Oh, well, right now I'm playing uh, Legend of Dragoon, and I am grinding the hell out of it. And it's it's almost making it unfairly easy to beat the game. <laughs> Is it got a good battle system? Legend of Dragoon? Uh-huh. Um, I, I, you're going to see people on both sides of the fence when it comes to the battle system. I personally like it. Um, it is very traditional and some would say antiquated. I personally like it because of the addition system. Um, and additions, additions are a way, like, you know, in the standard traditional RPG, you select the attack uh, action and then your character just walks up to an enemy and strikes them with their sword or their spear or what have you. Uh, in Legend of Dragoon, you actually do a button-timed combo. Hmm. Yeah. That sounds cool. Yeah, well, it's it, it's not it's not quite the same as Shadow Hearts 
uh, wheel of happiness is so eloquently commented, <laughs> but uh, it it is it is a timing element that kind of weighs into how much SP you receive as a result of your damage and how much damage you actually deliver. So it's kind of neat in that respect. I, I personally like Legend of Dragoon. It's not going to be everyone's cup of tea. There's a lot of problems with it, which I fully acknowledge. But it was one of the first uh, RPGs I actually played for the PlayStation. Hmm. Okay. Um, so we talked about your editorial. We talked about what you're playing. Anything else you want to share? No. Okay. Well, let's see here. Um, I've been playing uh, Bat and Kaidos, Bait and Kaidos. I don't know. However we want to pronounce that. Uh, on the GameCube. Not super thrilled. I love the idea of cards and collecting cards and making decks to use in battles. I, I like Magic the Gathering. I like games like Dominion, so I love customizable deck games. That's awesome. You can put that with an RPG where I can level up and hopefully have a decent fan story in between. Normally, for me, that's Marriage Made in Heaven. Uh, a couple things are weighing this down for me. The, the the characters, the story, everything so far seems extremely generic, except for the fact that everybody has wings. Um, I guess that's a little interesting, but... Um, um, and uh, the the combat itself is just very deliberate in its pacing. Uh, random quick encounters where uh, the number of enemies equals the number of players uh, goes on for two to three minutes a pop. And when running through a, a dungeon, it just really adds up real fast. At one point, I'm, my uh, my wife is like, oh, we need to go and take care of something. I'm like, let me get to a save point. And, you know, you can see the enemies on the screen, which, you know, theoretically, we all say that we'd rather see the enemies on the sc- uh, you know, on the dungeon that we're in so we can avoid them. If we want to, uh, that we feel that's superior to the random battle system where you take 10 steps and the screen breaks away. Well, in this game, it's not really necessarily a, a positive uh, note because the enemies are so big and the passageways in the dungeons are so skinny that you can really only avoid maybe a quarter or a third of the enemies. Um, the vast majority of them you're going to have to go through. And what what happens is when you it's it's kind of like a Final Fantasy VII in the fact that you you know when you're in the dungeons and stuff you're a 3D type of character on a 2D uh, background. I don't know if the background is truly 2D, but it's certainly locked in place like it is 2D. Um, <laughs> and it's very pretty at times. I, I do like the background. I I prefer that oh, actually. Yeah. Uh, what's that? I like the artwork. Yeah, I like the artwork, and I and I prefer that whole two D style when going through dungeons and such. I I, I I'm not a you know that, that actually works for me. But but what's sad is when you go onto one screen of a dungeon, and so this is what would happen. I would go I would go through his dungeon. Let's say it's four four screens long, and get to the end, and now I need to get back out. There's no warp spell to get me out. I have to run all the way back out. Okay, heavy sigh. Insert here. All right, so I start running back out. When I go back down to screen number three, guess what? All the monsters are back. Oh, come on. This is like Atari 2600 here. Oh, my gosh. But I should if you want to grind. I don't want to grind. I just... No. The battles take forever. They're not fast. They're not exactly fun. I, I, I just want to get through the story. And, and all these random battles are along the way. And you get some experience points. Um, when you beat up the monsters, you'll occasionally... Uh, you'll usually get an extra card or something along uh, along those lines. But it doesn't feel like that the payoff for going through all those random battles is extremely valuable. Um, the cards that I often get from the monsters uh, really aren't any more powerful than I already have in my deck. It doesn't feel like I'm really getting much more powerful by going through all these random battles. I would say random. They're on the screen, but uh, I don't know. If it was if it was faster, it might be uh, you know I might be enjoying it more. But it's it's very close to. I might give it one more try, but it's getting kind of close to just being knocked off my backlog as a as a failure. I should say, Phil, that we will soon have a chance for you to discuss that at, at more length. I have scheduled button button kaitos ah. for. 
a backtrack next month. Well, I understand the the sequel, or should I say prequel, Bankaidos Origins is uh, is significantly different, and so um, I I might you know just uh, I will definitely, regardless of what happens with this first one, I'll go and give that one its its due diligence as well. Um, hmm. Yeah, a lot of good Steam sales. Did y'all pick up on any good Steam sales? Oh my gosh, I heard the crickets chirping. Nobody does Steam sales. Bad, bad people. We are entering the golden age, another golden age of PC gaming. You need to jump on board. Get really good deals on really, really great games. Really cheap. Got XCOM, Enemy Unknown. Came out on the PlayStation 3, Xbox, all those for like 60 bucks. You got a Steam sale during Christmas for 30 and it's a really great. It's not exactly an RPG because uh, there's a lot of uh, tactical, strategic elements in between the battles. But the battle itself, the battles themselves feel very much like a tactical RPG. Your characters do level, and when they die, they die permanently. So there's definitely uh, the the Demon Souls feeling of be super careful because every step can be your last uh, type of thing. It's gotten really, really great reviews. And uh, if you were lucky enough to get that on a Steam sale, holy cow, God bless you because it it was going good. They had a lot of good. They had like uh, Torchlight too. You could buy like a four pack for i forget it's 15 20 bucks be playing torchlight 2 with your friends right now sad scary good stuff i love i love steam sales <laughs> but apparently you all don't Pfft, that's a shame <laughs> i thought there was something speaking of uh steam um mr fresh do you so do you do you not do um computer rpgs at all um i i i uh, no <laughs> no I, I have nothing against uh, computer oh RPGs. God. It's just I'm not I'm not big into computer gaming. It, the only game that I play on a regular basis on computer that happens to be an RPG is uh, Final. Well, the only two games I should say are Final Fantasy XI and Final Fantasy XIV. Yeah, those even worse. MMOs have more so grinding than anything. So you Final Fantasy XIV and have to speak on it. Um. I, yes. I, I. 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 I actually logged quite a substantial amount of time with. Um, its original iteration, uh, which which evolved over time, I will say that uh, where it stood back in September was radically different from where it stood at launch, with a, a miasma of improvements. And um, I can't really talk about where it's going, but I I was lucky enough to uh, get involved in further play, and I, I, I feel confident that a Realm Reborn will deliver a much more satisfying experience. Hmm. Yeah, uh, MMOs are. That's that uh, boy. Now yeah, that's kind of one of the things I keep struggling with. And MMOs is that darn you don't like grinding. Fight. Yeah, <laughs> that's what's really. That's what's really hard. I'm playing. Okay, see, this is the disconnect for me. I'm, I I got into WoW, Mist of Pandaria. I'm a level 87 mage. Okay, so that means I should be pretty high up in the ranks, right? Um, and I'm talking to this panda who, whose quest he's giving me, he wants me to go pick up oranges. I'm like, <laughs> I'm in 87 freaking Mega Man. I should be able to melt the fire. I, you know, melt the skin off your face with fire. And you Why want me to go pick out the panda? oranges. What's that? Why are you questioning the panda? I, I just, I can't get over these, the panda. <laughs> these quests. It's just, it's such a disconnect. They, they don't are, I'm an 87. You should be sending me, I kind of like the beginning because the king is like talking to you directly. And he's like, hey, I need you to go. And my son's got lost. I want you to go work with the special ops and help out the son. That's kind of cool. Okay, I'm 87. I'm supposed to be like a, you know, like a captain or a sergeant or something. I should be a person of some standing in the army at this point. Okay, cool beans. King is sending me on this quest. I'm getting into the story. Son's gone here. Son's done this. This is kind of cool. But because they need to lengthen this out, and I guess they didn't want to put a whole lot of thought into the plot line here of the Alliance versus the Horde and the son who got lost or whatever have you. Well, we have to pad this with, well, we want you to go out and get to know the pandas and their people 
Uh, and at that moment, that's when I rolled my eyes because I realized that that's wowies for you're going to quest grind a lot doing very boring, monotonous, low-level feeling quests. Like go out and this one guy's like, oh, get these evil mutated rabbits off my lawn, off my farm, I should say. And it's like, okay, they look like a slightly mutated version of the rabbits I beat up at level two. And yeah, here I am again just doing the same things I was doing at low levels, but over and over and over. Yeah, yeah. They can do this right. They really, really can, but they don't want to, you know, they don't want to put that much time and effort into, you know, continuing or making 40 straight hours of really good, well-written, logical quests. They want to fill it up with a bunch of laziness in between and kill your time. That's what That's what gets me cranky. If it wasn't for that, I could keep, you know, pushing on through, so. <sighs> I digress. Again, so easy to do. Um, yeah, other than that, still playing lots of uh, pen and paper. We started, uh, we started uh, Skulls and Shackles um, role-playing, uh, role-playing game of Pathfinder. It's it's about the, the party members being a pirates. Speaking of doing things that are level appropriate, you start off in the first level being lowly pirates that's been pressed into service on a pirate ship. So, um, uh, the players are already kind of sort of complaining about that, but they're level one, and that's, uh, you're a level one, you're a swab hand. So get out there and swab the decks and do that sort of things. I guarantee if they were doing this at, like, level 10, which, you know, the cap is level 20, uh, so level 10's a pretty significant number in this game. Uh, I guarantee you if they were so doing that level 10 they would ride and revolt but um uh it's been it's pretty cool they put a lot of flavor into these uh pre-written campaigns so uh everyone's having pretty much a good time with that oh uh, hmm. yeah so all righty well that's all i can think of for now hmm. uh, i think that's it mike is there anything else you can think of before we wrap it up not this time. All right. Well, I can think of something. RPG Backtrack is a production of RP Gamer, your source for RPG news, impressions, reviews, articles, and home to the best gaming community on the net. Write your questions and comments on our boards or email me, uh, jcservant at cyberlightcomics.com. Good luck spelling that out. Uh, better yet, look I've us emailed up. him before. It does work. It does work, yes, because apparently the RP Gamer email address I still haven't figured out. Um, help shape our future shows. Don't forget to follow us on twitter.com slash rpgamer. Become our biggest fans at facebook.com slash rpgamer um i think if you actually do let me just do this real fast facebook.com yes if you do facebook.com slash jc servant i come right up so there you go we have lots of facebook pages you can join um anyways uh, keep track of us keep up with the latest going ons and uh and uh ask questions and send out your comments we'd love to hear from you as always you can listen to our huge library of our previous podcast as well as our awesome sister show rpg cast and it's all at- oh that's right phil what? They're, they're buried deeply in here but we didn't read all the comments from the last episode we had com- well how long ago was that mike Holy cow. that was uh that was start of december six weeks ago <laughs> Okay. Uh, yeah, there they are. Oh, okay, and it's all. Uh, let's see here. Uh, let's see. We we talked about uh, Suikoden, 108 stars in heaven. Uh, Nick's. Uh, no, we will skip that one. Uh, <laughs> so, Ru Rulin says with Suikoden celebrated on November 30th in this episode, I had a great time remembering the Suikoden games. I didn't realize there was a Suikoden day. Did you know that, Mike? No. Huh. If uh, if only the plays of Suikoden 3 had continued in other games, at least they kept the letters and the investigations. If Konami wanted to put effort into remaking the first game, I'd add those right away. They'd make, if they would just put effort into re-releasing the second game on the PlayStation Network, mm-hmm. 
And I'm afraid I'm afraid the door is closing on that. I mean, when you know, PlayStation, uh, everyone's expecting a PlayStation 4 to be announced this year. So uh, that would be definitely the, the the flag that the life cycle of PlayStation 3 is quickly coming to a close. Uh, it would be possible for them to release it on a PlayStation 4. I don't know. Uh, Von Beardley says he can't get DuckTail themes out of his head now. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah. We, we can't get Life out. Life is like there. a hurricane, man. Here in Duckburg. Um, so <laughs> Weren't you going to stick the Darkwing Duck theme in sometime? I didn't, now, I didn't put that into the last show? You put the DuckTales theme into the last theme. At the end? The yep. Oh, I need to put Darkwing Duck there. Oh, yeah, Darkwing Duck's the best. Let's get dangerous. Oh, my gosh. That is like... Oh, oh whoever Whoever wrote that man, shoot. They they should be more popular than Michael Jackson. That, that song's awesome. Oh, look. Uh, Becky says, I hereby hang my head in shame for being responsible for the DuckTales segment. Ah, Suikoden is the bestest, though. Well, if 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 if, if Becky's responsible for the Ducktail segment, who's responsible for the Darkwing Duck segment? Um, let's see here. I really can't remember. Who started that fiasco? Yeah, that would be further down when the madness said maybe we should do Darkwing Duck's theme instead. Ooh, there we go. Can you do Mighty Morphin Power Rangers at some point? We can. It it is a catch. Don't think any RPG. I don't. I, I just like Mighty Morphin. We already did the Super Mario RPG show, though. That's the only direct Power Rangers reference I can think of. Uh, let's see. Uh, Nico Basu says I'm partial to the Moo music and its remixes from Dark Tales for the NES. Next time there's a Suikoden backtrack, I want to be on it. Uh, Nico Basu. Um, actually, we were talking. I was talking about this with Mr. Fresh. Uh, in between some of the segments when we weren't recording. Uh, we probably won't be redoing any of the games anytime soon that we've already done because there's just so many other games to talk about, and we want to try to give as many games their due diligence before we do anything twice. However, uh, RP Gamer staff, uh, as well as our listening audience, are welcome to record a two- to five-minute uh, sound clip of them just gushing over their favorite RPGs from the past or lamenting. Or, yeah, <laughs> or exclaiming that we were stupid forever liking this thing and- and how can we possibly yeah. say that it's good when it's the biggest sack of garbage this side of the local landfill? Indeed. You're also welcome to lament those really poor RPGs that you wasted your youth on. We'd love to hear it all. You can just uh, record that two- to five-minute recording and then shoot that off to an e- uh, in an email to me. Um, alternatively, the uh, staff members are always welcome to uh, come on before or after a backtrack recording, and I'm happy to do a one-on-one interview with them if they want something a little bit more formal, and we can add that to one of our shows, and you can tell everybody how you feel about Suikoden. Uh, let's see here. Dine says Konami simply doesn't carry more. I highly doubt Suikoden 2 will ever be released as a PS1 classic. Uh, oh, Konami doesn't care anymore. Based on current evidence, that is true. Yeah. Of course, the last Suikoden game came out on PSP, which is... Konami is not going to localize that. <laughs> Oh, Madness says, nice episode, guys, though the sound's kind of spotty here and there. Well, I blame Mike for that. Suikoden 2 is probably one of my favorite games of all times and has one of the few stories that actually made me feel like I might tear up. See, Final Fantasy VI actually made me tear up, so there you go. I was able to find a good copy of 3, but, uh, or I've never been able to find a good copy of 3, but I might rectify that someday. I have 4, but it's not what I expected. Won't get into it since it wasn't the last, or it wasn't a Suikoden 4-5 to episode. Are we doing a 4-5 to episode? We will in the future. I'm giving it a good breather between it and Suikoden's. Ah. Wow. Uh, SMACD was able to find a copy of Suikoden do for around $75 a few months ago. Now that he has the whole series, he's planning on playing through it after he finishes his Wild Arms run. Which we already did a backtrack on. That's right. So go back and listen to it and get spoiled and then play Wild Arms because that's really what you should do. I love those games. 
Yeah. Uh, Drizzle says, Sweet it how I love you. I played this game so much back in the day. I remember me and my friend had separate files and he freaked out when I had uh, Grimio alive. Also in Sweet in 2, there was a guy you could only get if you played in certain parts of the game in X amount of time. If I remember right, he looked like the Moonlight Knight from Sailor Moon. Uh, oh yeah, I do say at the end, Darkwing is coming very soon. Hey, look at that! Well, now, now I definitely have to put it on. I'm gonna pull yeah, it. Yeah, you, you said you'd do it. Yeah, what, gonna do we're it. Gonna have gonna to do have it. some Darkwing. Gonna now. have to have some Darkwing. Absolutely. All right, so make sure you hang on after the show because even though it had absolutely nothing to do uh, with Lufia, we're gonna play Darkwing Duck after the show. Absolutely. Let's get dangerous. Alrighty. Well, um, that was a funny thing. So, uh, thank you, uh, Mr. Nathan. Uh, thank you, Mr. Fresh, for being on the show. Appreciate it. Couldn't have done this without the two of you. Uh, and uh, I'm going to let uh, Mr. Miki help seal in the freshness of this episode. I don't need to seal in any more freshness. I'm just going to say we talked about two games. One of them is a real classic. One of them I didn't have as much fun with, but it's still pretty good. And then we talked about some lumps of coal that could easily have been given to the bad, naughty little children over the last decade. And that's it. We're done. Good night, everybody. Peace.